0: Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series. Interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi everyone, this is Pat Sherlock. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is getting experienced originators to use new technology. This is a crucial topic for sure. I am thrilled to have with me today, Dave Lohman. Dave is well-known in the mortgage business. He's on the board of Stern's Lending, also with Roostify. He was the former head of Freddie Mac's single-family business, and prior to that, he was with Chase and City Financial. And most importantly, uh, Dave is a Maryland Terp, which I am also. So Dave, welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thanks, Pat. It's great to be here today, and I uh, look forward to chatting with you.
0: Well, this is such an important topic, but before we really jump into it, why don't we talk a little bit about going back when you first started your career. How did you get into managing? How, how did that all happen?
1: I was uh, started my career in public accounting at uh, KPMG in the Washington, D.C. office. We had a client, a small independent mortgage banker, and I spent the summer, basically. They had grown really quickly and had the growing pains of growing really quickly. It was two entrepreneurs that that owned the company. And so they brought us in to kind of just help them shore up their, you know, kind of the inner workings of their company and the control environment and all that. And I ended up being offered a job uh, to come in and, and essentially be the uh, head of finance. And so I quickly went from being, uh, you know, kind of a sole contributor on a team in public accounting to managing a small group of people in the finance function and then that that job led to a bigger job i ultimately ran all the operations of that company you know managing more people and and then ultimately you know really started my career in broader roles in mortgage banking prudential home mortgage where i I went as the first controller of that company and then ultimately went on to run operations of the correspondent business Um, and so that's how i got in it i just um, I was at the right place at the right time and had you know the great education from the University of Maryland and great four and a half years at KPMG managing all kinds of different things at a very young age. And that's how I got in it.
0: Well that that's terrific. And so when you look back at it, did you do you have what was the best advice that you received on the topic of managing? And were there any books that you were really drawn to and used during your managing?
1: I've had the great privilege of working with lots of really good leaders. And I, I can't really point to a book that I read that unleashed the magic of it. But I had this ability to look at a, at a leader and a manager of, of me and say, I want to emulate those things. And this particular trait, I don't want to emulate. And so I'm like a hodgepodge of having worked for, you know, some really great leaders and managers of people throughout my career. I have one guy, Carl Levinson, who I worked with at City. You know, to be honest, I really didn't enjoy working for him. But as I look back on my career, what I learned about how to manage people, uh, how to run a business, how to, you know, focus on uh, if you're not measuring it, you can't manage it. I mean, he he was really a real a real influence on on my later career. I worked had the great privilege of working for Ajay Bunga who now runs Mastercard International and Ajay really taught me how to how to operate at you know at senior levels with with people more senior than I. Mm-hmm. I was running the mortgage business in uh in in, in city and then went out to run a consumer finance business and you, know, you just like how to how to present to executives and boards and what have you, and how to get your message to be really succinct and in a language that people that aren't don't have the same depth of knowledge that you have will understand. So I really like I've just had the great fortune of working for some really good people, and um, you know that's that's kind of how i I've honed my skills.
0: So, Dave, when you look at sacred sauce, that managing people, what do you think most people miss on that?
1: Yeah, I don't know if I can really point to a thing that they miss. I can probably point to things that you really, I think to be a good leader and a good manager of people um, that you should make sure you're really focused on. The, the first thing is, you know how do you go about selecting the people that work for you? I mean, your team is only as good as you and the people. Uh, that you select to be on your team. So having the, the, the right process in place to pick people that have a, a great odds of being successful helps immensely. And frankly, when you have good people to manage, it's, they're easier to manage, too. Um, so, so I'd say, you know, uh, uh, clearly that's one thing. The other big thing is um, being approachable and listening. Um, listening more than you talk. And throughout my career, I you know made it a point of um, you know not just the people that I directly manage, but you know doing what I call skip levels, which is you know bringing in people who work for people who work directly for me, and just kind of you know getting their take on how things are going and what can we make better and what's broken and what really works well. And you know, and most importantly, what can I do to help make you successful? You know really putting putting that person that you are leading and managing at the forefront. Your job is to run a successful team and help make people successful. And uh, I spent a lot of time blocking and tackling on behalf of folks or, you know, I'd say get a plow in the snow so people could get through. Uh, That was my job as the leader, interfacing with all the things that, that get thrown at you as obstacles to being successful in whatever it is you're doing.
0: So when you look at Dave, you've been at very certainly well-known companies for sure. Um, what's the key practice that you keep coming back to in your managing?
1: Well, I go back to what I said earlier: if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So having your arms around exactly what it is that that you know you're you're running or you're managing uh, is really important. So you know disciplines around. Um, you know, having the right uh, information uh, about what's going on, whether it's you know, if I if, if I'm managing something that's you know driven by loan volume, I'm looking at you know all kinds of things uh, related to the volume, the quality of that volume, the you know turnaround times, the things that are sitting in backlogs, you know, things that get you know log jammed somewhere. If I'm managing servicing, you know, I'm looking at the default rates and comparing, you know, this, this day's default with the same number of business days from the prior month and the prior year, so I can, you know, stay ahead of what's going on with the book and the trends and what have you. So, it, it for me, um, and this you know, these are disciplines I learned really early in my career, um, you know, particularly at City and then on a chase, you know, that's how those large businesses are run. You're expected to know every moving part of what you got going on in your, in whatever it is, you, is your domain. And so it goes back to like, if you, you know, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And so just really having your arms around everything that's going on and not assuming that it's just happening.
0: Right. Well, that's really that. Obviously, I think I agree with you 100% with that one. Certainly, when we look at our topic for today, this is so appropriate because there's been so many changes within the industry, but getting experienced originators to use new technology. Uh, I'm sure we can go on for hours about this, but what's been your experience and how do you think is the best way for a manager to ensure that the new technology is being used?
1: I think there's a couple of things. I think the first thing is, before you insist on somebody doing it a different way, you you got to make sure that the technology um, that's being used, in fact, is, is, you know, bettering the the outcomes, and that outcome is, let's assume it's, you know, you're talking about a point-of-sale system or a loan origination system, or a particular product uh, embedded in all those things, if they don't work and, and the originator um, experienced person has better luck doing it the old fashioned way, or it betters the customer's experience the old fashioned way, it's really hard to, to get people to adopt it. So it's gotta work, it's gotta actually deliver the promise that, 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 that was created to deliver. Um, so that's the first thing, it has to work. The second thing is, this is this, like everything else, it is, uh, you know, most technologies are slow at the, at the onset for adoption. You know, I, I remember when I got the Freddie Mac, and this was in 2013, there were a lot of Freddie Macers that were still using Blackberries. And when we'd go on a, uh, I remember distinctly going on a trip where we needed directions, and they pulled out their MapQuest that their admin had printed off. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, it's right here on your little smartphone. Why don't you have a smartphone? Um, and now if you went inside a Freddie Mac today, there would be no one with a Blackberry. And everyone would have a smartphone and everyone would know how to use Google Maps. It's about duration and time and and what have you. I was always a really, uh, an early adopter of technology. And I'm going to really date myself. But one of my Claims to fame in my very first job that I had with that small mortgage company, Guaranteed Mortgage, back in the day was uh, we had to do all kinds of forecasting. And I insisted that the guys buy me a PC and Lotus 123. These were right at the beginning of those things, you know, sure. electronic spreadsheets coming out. And I mean, I was able to do things. These guys were amazed at what I was able to do because I was able to do them on the fly. You know, we could change uh, an assumption, and it would ripple through the spreadsheet. And I'd say, "Well, if we do that, then this is what we'll make, or this is how much warehouse line we need, or whatever it was I was doing." So I really encourage people to, you know, challenge themselves to be adopters. I mean, there is going to be a day where if you're not using the technology, you'll be a dinosaur. You will no longer be able to, um, you know, really participate in it uh, and be be effective and efficient. And you know, I've got, you know, lots of experience of implementing technology in the loan origination and servicing processes in multiple mortgage companies and, you know, can point to uh, how much more effective we were, how much better service uh, levels were provided, how we reduced uh, cycle times to for decisioning and then that reduced fallout, so loans pulled through at higher levels which all like in the loan originators case all means more money for their paycheck because you just remove all the things that are historically been big obstacles to getting loans done in this industry that is still frankly very far behind uh other industries uh uh in the use of technology once you decide that you got it and it really works you have to insist on it i mean i you know it's funny at Freddie Mac, I did a tour in 2018. I probably visited 12, 14 customers, and we were implementing our loan prospector tools, and we, you know, made huge investments and all this stuff. And you know, I was really, frankly, dumbfounded by the number of institutions that gave people a choice. And you know, I came from places where once we perfected the the right way to do it, the efficient way to do it, that's the way you did it. And You didn't have a choice. I distinctly remember losing a group of people, uh, originators to Bank of America when I was back at Chase. And it was all around our insistence on using uh, the technology um, and they didn't want to do it. And they ultimately went to Bank of America and they ultimately came back to Chase. And, um, you know, uh, but but at some point you just have to insist on it. Um, But I go back to the very beginning, what I said, if it really doesn't work, it, you kind of have no leg to stand on, insist, on insisting, you know I mean? But, you know, when you got, you know, originators who stand up on a podium and say, you know, I've been using this stuff and it's the greatest thing since sliced bread and I can do twice as many loans and it alleviates the pain from my processor because I get the docs in an automated way, whatever, you know, whatever the situation is. Um, you just need more of those success stories and ultimately people will, will come your way.
0: So what are your thoughts? I mean, I certainly see this myself when I'm consulting, where manage, senior management is hesitant in mortgage banking many many times because even today the adoption of day one certainty and some of these other technologies are really pretty low. And so when you look at it, what do you think is the hesitation that the reason why they don't insist on it, which I think is still pretty prevalent within mortgage banking? It seems to me it is, they're always afraid of just what you mentioned that the person or group will leave them and they don't have a bench at all.
1: Yeah, I think that is it, to be honest with you. I think a mortgage company without originators isn't a mortgage company. And so I think uh, a lot of people are hesitant on insisting on things for fear that, you know, that group of people will leave and they'll go somewhere else where they'll allow you to do it the old-fashioned way, and I would say over time, if you were allowed, if you were allowed, if you allowed that to happen for a period of time, you're going to get lapped because there are other places that are adopting the technology, insisting on the adoption of technology, building their own technology, influencing the development of ways to do it quicker, faster, cheaper, better. And frankly, when it what it what it's really going to get down to is the consumer is going to choose, right? I have a you know a beautiful thirty one year old daughter and a you know wonderfully handsome twenty seven year old son. and I gotta tell you, they are not when they do their first home buying experience, they are not going to be into you know, going and making copies of stuff and bringing it to someone or or uh, emailing and all that. They're going to want it fully digitized because that's how they operate their life and so over time the consumer is going to force people into you know they're going to choose the the company that's the, that's the easiest to uh to deal with and you know it takes the least amount of their time
0: so dave when you look at something that quicken has just done recently where they announced where they're giving basically pre-qualifications to the realtor directly where they're giving them that technology what are your thoughts as far as how that's going to impact mortgage banking
1: I just think, you know, Quicken's smart in trying to enable uh, real estate agents. If you think about the Quicken model, um, you know, it's been, for, for decades, it's been a big refinance machine, um, and, you know, and as time has gone on, they've gotten, uh, you know, crisper with, uh, you know, being able to do more purchase transactions and what have you, but, you know, they don't have a distributed sales force. It's all, you know, in a, in a central, uh, you know, series of facilities. So that whole how do we, um, how do we develop a relationship with a real estate agent is being done in a very different way rather than having uh, a loan originator, um, you know, calling on these real estate agents. to try trying to give them some piece of technology that endears them to them. I think that's
0: So, Dave, if you had to have a if you had a crystal ball and you're looking out five to 10 years, uh, would it be fair to say that if technology isn't being used on the front side by the originator, that they really aren't going to be successful going forward?
1: I totally believe that, Uh, you know, the cost to produce alone um, is, uh, you know, very high, you know. I don't know what the latest numbers are, but let's call it, you know, 8,000 bucks. Right. Uh, And that's a lot of money and there are going to be lots of people that are going to try to figure out how to do that for, you know, seven, six, five, four, three, two. Mm -hmm. And one who's got the cheapest is going to be able to have the the best pricing on the street. And that's where the loans are going to go, whether it's, you know, over the internet, uh, you know, done someone coming into a bank branch to get the loan or or wherever. Uh, So I I firmly believe that uh, technology is really going to, it already has and I think it will continue to be a uh, major uh, influence on reducing the cost uh, to produce a loan, on, you know, reducing the cycle times that it takes. Uh You know this whole notion that it takes sixty days to to get a mortgage uh is a little crazy in my view. You know, I always tell the story you know you can buy if you're you know have enough money, you can buy a hundred thousand dollar car um, you can go in, you can pick out the car and you can drive away with it um, you know in a matter of an hour if you tried to get a hundred thousand dollar mortgage loan. Um, same same borrower profile, you know, why does it take 60 days? Why right. can't it happen in days? Right. 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 And so, ultimately, I just believe that, you know, the world is going to continue to become digitized. I think, frankly, COVID-19 is ex- going to accelerate this, like, in a big way. We're already learning that, um, you know, some of the things that we said couldn't be done are being done and they're being done out of necessity because, you know, uh, you can't have people showing up in offices and, uh, you know, all the human to human interactions that happened are now being done more electronically. And I just think that trend is just going to continue. I, I couldn't, you know, uh, emphasize it enough to people that are listening to this podcast that figure out how to adopt it um, and use it as, as your weapon relative to others. Uh, but I always go back to assuming whatever it is you're adopting actually betters the cost, makes your job easier, or makes the client sure. the service delivery better, or whatever.
0: Sure. Well, we only have the last few minutes. I mean, we could go on for hours on this topic. It's such a great topic. But what would you want the takeaways to be for our listeners today? I think um,
1: that managing people is 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 a, a skill that you know not everybody's born with, and I would. Uh, just encourage people to uh, do what I did, which is just observe all the others that are have managed you, and say, you know, I really like what what this gal taught me, and you know, I really don't like the way that guy treats people, and just you know, decipher, you know, what 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 lines up with your value system and how you you know run your life and how you want to be viewed by the people that you manage. I'd say that's one takeaway. The second one is. Um, you know, don't be the last the uh, the last dinosaur to uh, to adopt the technology. You know, it's really funny. I I love telling this story. I have an eighty eight year old mother who was a very who was a an early adopter of technology too. She was a secretary in at a church that uh, we went to, and so she learned Word Perfect very early in her career and got off of mimeograph machines and all that stuff. And now. You know, we uh, we bought her a tablet, um, and you know, equipped her with it uh, and and it's revolutionized the way she interacts with her kids and her grandkids. And it all came out of COVID, right? Um, because she wasn't going to be able to see us, um, and so we, you know, now now we're able to have, you know, Zoom meetings with siblings and the grandkids on it. We did that for Mother's Day. I mean, she's just an adopter of technology and it's changed her life and the way she interacts with us. And it's kind of interesting. She always would give us a hard time about um, uh, calling her. And now with Duo, it's like enabled her to call us, which is she could have always called us, but there's something about that being able to see us when she dials us. It, it's just changed everything. And it, you know, this is an 88 year old that you know can't live without her cell phone and her tablet, you know, and that everybody did like take a lesson from her.
0: <laughs> no, that's inspirational to say the least. Well, I want to thank you, Dave, for sharing your thoughts today. They were terrific, and certainly everyone look for our next podcast. and Please rate and review today's podcast. Thanks so much, Dave.
1: All my pleasure. Have a good day.